Good morning and welcome to a new edition of You Are My Borough with myself, Scott Wilson and Dom Shaw from the Northern Echo. Um, it's Thursday morning. I think we're still basking in the uh, glory of Tuesday night. So we'll obviously have a look back at that. Um, we'll talk about the transfer business that Borough have done early in the January window. Um, we'll have a little look ahead to the weekend's game at Millwall. And I dare say we might also have a little look ahead to a certain other game that is a couple of weeks down the line. Um, before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, thanks for your support as ever here on You Are My Borough. If you're watching us on YouTube, then please do uh, like, like, subscribe and leave a comment. We do read them. Um, they do shape what we talk about in the future episodes. And if you're listening on any of the uh, various podcast platforms, then rate and review and let us know what you think. Dom, Tuesday night. Let's uh, let's look back first. I mean, there's been some wonderful nights at the Riverside during my time and your time covering Borough. I'm sure um, everyone listening or watching will have their favourites, but I think this goes into the top 10 straight away, doesn't it? Just in terms of atmosphere, in terms of, you know, the general feel, the noise when Hackney's goal went in, the kind of tension in that second half as Chelsea knocked on the door, but Borough did superbly to keep them out. Um, I mean, it was quite a night, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, it absolutely. I think it absolutely goes in, goes high in the list of, of the great Riverside nights, especially cup nights, because I think when you think back to the kind of standout Riverside Cup games, Liverpool semi-final, um, League Cup semi-final, obviously St- uh, Steyer and Basel. I think yeah. I think probably Spurs and Coburn's hit is, yeah. uh, you know, if yeah. you say Josh Coburn now kind of one of the first things that springs to mind is that goal. That Th- goal this yeah. one, this one absolutely, I think, will pass the test of time and, and live long in the memory. Even more so, clearly, if, if Borough... Are successful in the second leg, but I think regardless, regardless of how that second leg plays out, you know that night and the memories and the enjoyment for for all involved and and for the fans clearly in the stands. I think um, I think it was a brilliant night. I think it was a special night, and and capped off by the fact the local lads scoring the winning goal as well, like the Coburn goal. It, it makes it that extra bit special, doesn't it? I mean, there's an awful lot, you know, we, we could probably sit and talk about this game for, for you know, two, three hours. We um, we won't subject you to that. Don't worry, I promise <laughs> you. But um, but let's just pick a couple of things out of it. First of all, the defensive display from Borough, because Chelsea did have an awful lot of the ball, especially in the second half. We can get to the limitations of Chelsea in a minute. And I think they were glaringly unsure. There's, you know, there's an awful lot still wrong at that football club, I would argue. But that aside... I mean, defensively, Borough were absolutely brilliant. We keep coming back to it. No Lenahan, uh, no Dyke Steele, no Tommy Smith. You know, five at the back, move to four at the back. You've got to reshuffle when Bangura goes off halfway through the first half. What a really, really good defensive display with, with I thought, Fry and Clark bang at the heart of it. Yeah, um, I mean, we were talking about Fry during the game, weren't we? And, and that's Dale Fry... When, when you see Dale Fry in that form, you think, don't you, what on earth? I mean, I, I, clearly, clearly this isn't what Borough want to hear, but you think, what on earth is he doing in the championship? Dale yeah. Fry should should have played more Premier League football, shouldn't he? Um, and when you see him playing like that, he's a, he's a Premier League player. I think Matt Clark, um, considering the year he had and the fact he didn't kick a ball for a year and all the uncertainty about what was... What was um, about the fact he couldn't get to the bottom of the injury? And even when he did come back, 
you looked at it and the, and the prospect of him playing much football seemed slim, given that yeah. even with Lenahan out, there was McNair, there was Vandenberg in the pecking order ahead of him. Um, and yet he's he's been such a key player in the last few weeks. And, and I suspect, you know, we're going to talk about transfers. Luke Ayling comes in as a right back. Um, when speaking to people around the club a month or so ago, there was talk of needing a centre-half as well, or, or someone who is equally as comfortable playing at right-back as centre-half. Now, I know Ayling has played centre-back in the past, but but he is more of a right-back, isn't he? Yeah. I think Matt Clark's form in the last week, as in the last month, sorry, has eased, has eased what had the look of being a real priority in, yeah. in the January window. And um, for him to come off the bench... He was thrusting it at Leeds after the sending off and he gave away the penalty straight away, but then was rock solid afterwards. He's had a couple of brilliant games since, but for him to come off the bench and and, and play like he did, uh, and Engel as well. You asked Michael Carrick specifically yeah. about Engel afterwards, didn't you? I think Engel again, you know, if you'd have looked at Engel at West Brom or Sheffield Wednesday and then looked at Engel playing the other night, you, you would not have believed it was the same player, would you? Yeah. And what about Carrick himself as well? Because I think that this is another massive feather in, in his cap and his kind of managerial journey, if you want. That, you know, we kind of said, didn't we, was Villa a bit of a trial run for what Borough were going to do and set up like against Chelsea? Well, it kind of turned out that way initially. Now, admittedly, things had to change in the game because of the injuries. And, and, and that's even more probably credit to Carrick that he was able to do that. But in terms of coming up with a game plan to shut Chelsea down and basically stop their wide players from offering any kind of a threat and kind of funnel them into a really congested central area where they very quickly ran out of ideas. I mean, he couldn't have got it any better, could he, in terms of the game? Now, he's going to have to decide what to do down at Stamford Bridge, but in terms of what he did for that first leg, a massive tick in the, in the Carrick box, isn't it? I was listening to Five Lives, um, like Daily Pod the morning after yesterday morning, and... Um, I think it was Pat Nevin who was saying that, you know, Carrick won't give himself the credit or certainly he won't publicly, yeah. but he absolutely should. I, I think what was telling was um, Carrick beat Pochettino, didn't he? In the, If you think of what Carrick had to deal with in the first 20 minutes and the way he um, shuffled his park and, and adapted in play, well, Chelsea were struggling and couldn't find a way through. And Pochettino couldn't find an answer. He couldn't find a way to tinker in play. He brought Brogeron in the second half. He brought Mudric on. Um, but it was actually in the second half. After 10 minutes, we were laughing, weren't we, saying, Christ, you can see where this is going to go in the second half here. Backs to the wall. But it, I didn't really think it... it yeah, rare, rarely did you think, after that first 10 minutes of the second half, the goals coming here. I thought oh. Borough were were kind of comfortably uncomfortable, if you get me. Um, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, you know. yeah, Carrick, 100%. I mean, if you're rating the... We rate the players. If you're rating the managers, what, what do you give the two managers after after a game well, like I mean, that? Carrick's a nine, a definite nine, because like you say, I thought that he set them up brilliantly and then adapted when he had to because things were thrown at him. Pochettino, what, four? I mean, it, it felt like he was thrown on players in the second half, the likes of Mudrick, um, just because he had them there, not because he, he he was coming up with anything different to change it. It was literally, well, let's just take one off and throw one on to see if that changes anything. Now, you know, clearly the caveat with all of this has to be, let's see what happens in the second leg. It's still going to be... So let, I guess let's get straight into that. I mean, 
you know, Chelsea will be favourites. I think I had a look at the at the odds, and, and they're still favourites to go through in the tie, and that's probably fair enough. But Borough have given themselves a great chance, and and and, and on the evidence of that game on Tuesday, for all that it's going to be almost certainly again Chelsea dominating position possession rather, Borough having to be very well organised and sitting in. Borough have shown that they can cause threats on the break against this Chelsea side. Now, you'd like to think Latalath might be available because I think yeah, he could be a fair. massive asset on the break down there. But but whatever side this Borough team put out, don't forget Rodgers will be back available. Um, you'd fancy them to create chances down there. I would. 100%. It plays into Borough's favour. It's gonna. It's a big ask to keep Chelsea out again, isn't yeah. it? To, to keep another clean sheet for another ninety minutes. But I, I think the, the 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 way the game is set up now plays into Borough's hands to score to score yeah. on the counter. I thought Isaiah Jones was brilliant on Tuesday night, and and he's going to be a big player on the counter. Yeah. I agree absolutely with Latte Lath. Um, you know, clearly that he'd be set up for that sort of game, wouldn't he? We'll have to wait and see on that. You're over speaking to Michael Carrick this after your yeah. last effect. It probably, as we as we say, it's more it's more yes. often team news than Carrick's press conference, which gives Correct. us which gives us injury updates. Um, yeah. Morgan Rogers back. I thought the midfield, you know, Hackney playing in that advanced role, slightly advanced role, worked a treat, didn't it? With yeah. and Balassa, Balassa was excellent again. But yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Chelsea are clearly still favourites, I think. Um, well, they are still favourites. You know, if you if, if a neutral was going to make a pick now, I think 99% probably swayed towards Chelsea still, or maybe not that high. But um, 100% Borough are in it. And and I think yeah. we'll go there fancying it. I really think Borough will go there fancying it. And I think the other thing that, that, that will potentially be a factor, especially if Borough can keep Chelsea out in those first 15, 20 minutes, is... The I think you saw at the final whistle that there is real chuntering now going on amongst that Chelsea crowd. Then you know the, the 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 kind of national media went for them in the in the aftermath of the game. I mean, you know, it, it sticks in the in the craw a bit when Borough played so well, but probably understandably the the story the following morning on the national papers was Chelsea implosion rather than anything that Borough did well. Um, but that's all going to feed into the fact that this is really. Huge I mean, it seems ridiculous for a team that have spent the money that Chelsea have talking about the Carabao Cup like this. But this feels like make or break for Chelsea's season. Maybe even make or break for Pochettino there. And and that is going to pile so much pressure on if Borough can just start solidly. And you, you were saying in the second half on Tuesday night that you were at Chelsea for the Chelsea-Newcastle game. Um, and... The the way the first 10 minutes of the second half played out the Riverside was the way the entire second half played out at Chelsea and the, the problem, 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 but didn't look really like scoring until exactly last week. Yeah, I mean, and Newcastle, Newcastle were more defensive than probably Newcastle ever are because it was right in the middle of when they just didn't have players to be able to put out. So they largely set up with two banks of four and, and kind of one playing off a striker, which is, you would imagine... Um, if not necessarily the formation, then the kind of tactics Borough will, will, will adopt initially. And yet, it was exactly the same with Chelsea. A load of sideways passes, kind of 30 yards from goals, getting the ball out wide, not really wanting to get it in the middle because they don't have a, a, a what you would, you know, a, a proper number nine, if you like. So then coming back inside, probing without really going anywhere. I mean, Dubravka barely had a save to make until. 
the 92nd minute when obviously Trippier commits an absolute howler, Mudrick scores and, and Chelsea go on to win it on penalties. But um, yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily now that I've seen Chelsea twice in a month and, and their feelings have been exactly the same in both of the games in that they they have the ball, but they, they just don't have any incision with it. They, they don't really look like they know how to break down a defence that's willing to sit in on the edge of the area. And and again, that, that, that's that got to be a massive confidence booster for Borough because as we keep alluding to, I do fancy that if, if, if they can just keep the shape and the rigidity and the, the organisation, I think they'll get chances on the break because I think the longer it goes on, the more the crowd will get at Chelsea, the more frantic they'll have to become, the more risks they'll have to take. And if Borough can get one, then they're not, you know, clearly Chelsea have to get three for it not to go to at least extra time and potentially penalties. Uh, just a final one on Tuesday night. The, the crowd, the fans, obviously, yeah. um, there was the display beforehand in the South Stand, a 12th man in the North Stand had organised the, the scarves, um, which looked great beforehand. And, and a shout too as well to, to John Foster, the announcer, because we were saying before the game, class when he just turned the music off with yeah. 10 minutes, 15 minutes to kick off and let the atmosphere build. And then I was reading yesterday, I think it was on Twitter, that um, he'd, he'd, he'd reached out to fans on Monday, to certain fan groups, to certain supporters and kind of asked for their thoughts on what he should and shouldn't do, which like, it's only a small thing, but makes a difference, doesn't it? It because definitely, definitely made a difference. Game. Yeah, it was so refreshing to kind of have that. Um, the The you know, all too often now, the the um, you know, the 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 build up, the ten minutes or so before the teams come out, and not just a borough at any game now, it's a it's a blur of kind of pop hits and shout out responses. <laughs> and do I sound about fifty seven when I say that <laughs> pop hit? Um, shout out to sponsors and God knows what, and it just kills the atmosphere. So to have um to have a bit of silence. And, and let the fans sing and generate that atmosphere. And, and to be fair, the Chelsea fans, who, let's be honest, were pretty quiet the rest of the night, did have a bit of a go back at the Borough fans in that in that segment, which is what you want. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, then obviously the um, the kind of banner displays in the South Stand and, and the flags and everything, it, it, it definitely, definitely added something to the night. It really made it. Um, London, call, London calling afterwards was good. Yeah, wasn't it just? Wasn't yeah. it just? Um, and yeah, it just built from there. So, um, so you know, what, what, you know we're, we're obviously in the scrambling for tickets for Stamford Bridge territory now. Although I think that ship will have sailed if you haven't been able to get get one already. Are we yet in the dare we dare we say are we in the tentative cancelable hotel bookings for a certain weekend in February territory? Uh, uh I mean, let us know if you're if you're a fan and and, and you've booked your Wembley hotel already. I'd be amazed if some hadn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's so probably, because, In fact, it's probably know. worth a conversation for us after this. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was just thinking we that. that. We don't want, we don't want the that. playoffs. We don't want the playoffs all over again when we if don't have like, the playoffs. It's a twin group with a spare bed, then let us know because. Uh... <laughs> Let's um let, let's just talk transfers because we, yeah. we didn't mention Finazaz at the start of the week. So obviously it was all eyes on Chelsea. And then Luke Ayling, which kind of rounded off really a brilliant 24 hours or so for Borough. Luke Ayling signed yesterday. Azaz, four and a half year deal. Um he talked in his interview afterwards, which was uh, his first interview afterwards with the club, which was really good. He came across really well in that, if you haven't seen it, about how this this is the the 
he's obviously been on loan away from Villa. This is the long-term project he wants. Um, and then Luke Ehrling last night, six-month loan deal until the end of the season, and, that, and that's when his Leeds um, contract expires. Two very different signings, but both signings that completely make sense for, for different reasons, I think. Yeah, so there's a few, yeah, there's a few things here. I think firstly, a massive pat on the back for Kieran Scott and the rest of the recruitment team. How many times have we bemoaned Borough for getting to deadline day and it feeling like everything's just being scrambled around and, and the, the questions constantly asked, why is it always left at the last minute? Why haven't deals been lined up? Well, here are two deals that clearly have been in the pipeline for an awfully long time. Um, they've got in there, you know, a Zaz was very much in demand from a lot of clubs. Uh, Ailing, probably less so in terms of this window, but um, but clearly a deal that Borough wanted to do and, and get done before it became more difficult. Um, so I think they deserve a lot of pats on the back for the fact that they've got these deals done. We're not even halfway through January yet, and Borough have two of what we think are probably the three main deals, or, or maybe just the three deals full stop that they're going to look to do. So that's a real positive. Um, I think the other interesting thing is it, you know, we've talked a lot about the different model that Borough want to adopt and the way that they want to do things now and the fact that they do want to change the overall look of the squad. And clearly, Finazaz is a deal that ticks all of those boxes. Um, you know, young, um, with a point to prove, if you like, an awful lot of development potential, but still got a degree of experience in the championship, can go straight in. Looks a really, really good signing on paper. The Ailing deal, as you see, is an outlier. But I think what it shows is that at least Borough are prepared to be flexible when the situation demands it. And for all that Michael Carrick's been saying, you know, we don't want to make short-term decisions. We don't want to um, be knee-jerk in any of this. Well, this isn't knee-jerk, but it is short-term. But I think sometimes you have to be short-term. I think if all you ever make is signings for the future with a long-term development plan, then you risk writing off the here and now. And, and Burren needed a, a defender. We, you know, let's, we'll hold our hands up. We thought it would probably be a centre-half. As you say, the Matt Clark situation has maybe changed that a bit. Ailing can maybe play there a bit. Dykesdale's obviously back injured again now. We don't really know how serious that is. Maybe that's more serious than than it looked at first. Um, you know, a combination of all of those things meant that it made sense for Burrow to bring in a right back who potentially could play at centre half in an emergency, um, and if you're looking for that for the next six months, and I don't think you're going to get much better than Ailing D. I mean, you know, he was a mainstay of that Leeds team last season. He he's still been in and around it this season. All right, not playing as much under Farker as he would want. Comes across as a really good character. Everything you read and hear about him from Leeds is that that's exactly what he is. Um, so I, you know, I I think what's good is that it shows that yes, Borough have this plan. Yes, they have a direction, a general direction they want to head in. But if needs must, they are willing to be flexible. And I think you've got to be that. It, 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 that makes me think of Sunderland up the road because yeah. in the summer, Tony Mowbray, when, when Mowbray was head coach, and, and you could feel the exasperation he was feeling at times because he completely understood the model, but stressed, like, you need experience. You need... Yeah. He talked about more voices in the dressing rooms of, like... Players get sick of yeah. listening, as he said, to a 60-year-old bloke talking. You, you need the peers around them and, and you need that experience. And they had Corey Evans and Ross Stewart out injured at the time, which is why he bought, brought in Bradley Dack. And and the the criticism or the fear, I guess, at Sunderland, without labouring the Sunderland point too much this month, is that 
really upfront they need to move away from their model and just bring in a short-term fixed at yeah. and in the second half of the season. Now, the question is, will they be flexible? So I agree with you. I think Borough have shown that we clearly know what the model is. We clearly know what they're working towards. And we know that they want to move on the whole away from, from the loan from the loan market. But this is clearly extremely different to last season when Borough were building that their, their, their attack really, the, the, their best players were loan players. They, they, were, they were not just having to replace kind of stopgap experienced cover signings, but but their major players who contributed to them reaching the playoffs. Um so, and yeah, I think, sorry, I, I just jump in there. I think the other thing to add off the back of that is that Ailing, of course, is out of contract, isn't he, at Leeds in the summer? Oh, he's coming, playing for a, playing for his future. That's exactly it. And if all goes well and he has a really good time at Borough and Borough really like him, what's to say that there won't be the offer of a one-year or two-year deal at the end of this come the summer? And and Borough think, well, do you know what? He's shown his value. Yes. We don't want to make a lot of signings of players that are aged over 30, etc. But every now and then, we are willing to make an exception. And, and he can do a job for us for, for another season or two seasons or whatever, in the way that, obviously, Housen keeps getting one-year deals. We'll see. That's that's down the line. It's, it's worth stressing at the minute that this isn't the case of a loan with an obligation or anything. It, it's very much Borough loaning him at the end of the season, see how he goes. But, but clearly, the potential is there for that deal if all parties enjoy themselves with it. I think the one last thing on transfers, the the, the the suggestion at the start of the at the start of this month when we'd spoke to people was that um that they're keeping an eye on the tran- on the striker market, that they're considering their options, they're seeing what crops up, but they, they don't want to bring someone in for the sake of bringing someone in who might halt the progress of Josh Coburn and Emmanuel Latte Laugh. Whereby if you bring in someone who's only coming in for six months. He probably isn't much better than Latte Lath, but is playing ahead of him. And then you get into the end of the season and, and Latte Lath's kind of had six months of progression halted by that. Then is, you know, do, do the rewards outweigh the, the negatives of a signing like that? The the problem now, and I guess what, what's going to be interesting in the next week or so, is that Latte Lath injury, that yeah. will last Borough into a rethink because... I think Borough's thinking is that they're not really short on goals. If you look across the forward line, not just the strikers, but across the forward line, there's goals coming from everywhere. You're bringing Azaz to add to that, who's scored seven goals already. But it, but if Latte Lath serious is any injury is anything other than minor, then Josh Coburn's your only centre forward, and clearly that would then yeah. need some attention. So I think watch this space on that one. I think the other yeah the other element with that is the fact that yes. Michael Carrick's shown a you know a degree of um, flexibility in the last few games in terms of systems and stuff. But 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 I think we can pretty much say he plays with one striker, doesn't he? Yeah. He's he's very 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 rarely, probably other than in the very last seconds of a game when it's caution of the wind and he's chasing things, going to play two strikers up front. So I think you're right. If if Latalath is available, then if you're bringing in another striker. They've really, they've really got to be nailed on starters for it to be worthwhile. And to get that in a January window, you know, with 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 the financial reality of what Borough will have to spend on that, it's going to be really, really difficult. So I do understand that. Um, but I also think you're right. An awful lot will come down on who is Latalaf going to be available because, you know, clearly it was it was um, you know, it was a massive deflation when he went off. At the start of the game in the week for what that meant for Borough in the game, but I think even more so just for Latalath because 
it, it's you know there's been some very bright moments from him but it still feels like it's his borough career so far has just been constantly stop start doesn't it he's he's never had five six seven eight games either starting or regularly coming on for half an hour with meaningful substitute appearances to really build up ahead of steam has he and and that's probably been the disappointment with him that you know i think we all know now that there's definitely something there but it's been so fitful because he's been in and out in and out of the um treatment room so much millwall on saturday then um it was funny because uh, after the game on Tuesday night, we, I was down in the tunnel talking to, to Johnny Housen and Mark Drury from BBC Tees. I'd spoken to him first and kind of Johnny had answered really, really well, but then kind of talked some, you know, words along the lines of, but now we need to focus on Millwall and turn our attention to Millwall. And Mark had just said, like, come off it, you know, give it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait till Thursday at least. Um, yeah. But it is Thursday and attention at Rockcliffe will now have turned to that game. That, that has the look of a tough game. I think they're five unbeaten now under Edwards after a bit of a slow start. They've found the feet, haven't they? And um, It's a big game from a league perspective for Bury. It feels like a big yeah. game as well. You don't want to let that gap open, as we've talked about. Yeah. Well, that's exactly... How, how many Millwall cliches do you want now to... to, <laughs> to, 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 to should, we, uh, should we start them? Um, uh, bell, really, like, ring so many of them ring true. I mean, we've both been to Borough games at the Den and it is... It is, you know, it's it's not an inviting experience for anyone. Can you put it like that? Actually, I'm being really harsh there because actually the press lot at Millwall are lovely. And it, it actually, you do get looked after pretty. From a worker point of view, it's quite nice. Everything about else about it, no. Um, so it's a, it's a, yeah, probably of all the games you'd want on the back of what's just happened in the week, Millwall away will be right near the bottom of the list because it's <laughs> it's not really a game that, that, that you know, if you're playing Leicester away, then you know what you're going into and you kind of get yourself up for that because you're playing the league, league whatever. Millwall away is not that, but it's got so many other challenges. And like you say, the chief one amongst them is the fact that Millwall now are actually playing reasonably well and are a very different Millwall at the start of the season when they took an awful lot of time to get, to get going. Um, yeah, I mean, so Millwall away and Rotherham at home, isn't it? Before the before the um, Carabao Cup, I, th- I, mean, I think, think you can get four points. I think what you say is that at the end of those games, Borough cannot be further away from the playoff positions than they are now mm-hmm. in terms of points. You know, league position, yeah, you can go up and down a little bit, but that point gap cannot be any bigger after those two games than it is now. Otherwise, Borough will have will have slipped up in those matches, you know what I mean? Yeah. They have to use these two to, at the very, very worst, keep themselves where they're at now so that they can do the Chelsea game, see what happens there, and then, OK, whether you're in the final or not, we've got a month, month and a half then to really nail down this promotion push because, um, you know, there's been an awful lot going on at the start. You, you get Christmas... Then you get the FA Cup, which obviously had its own distraction. Borough have obviously had the Carabao Cup. So there's been an awful lot going on in the last month. And, the, you know, I'm not saying the eye's been taken off the league, but I think from all of us, from us, from supporters, yes, to a certain extent, the eye has been taken off the league because you've had so much else to focus on and going on. I think it's crucial between now and Chelsea again that Borough don't lose any more ground. And, and then let's get right back on it. Brilliant. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you if you listen to us on podcast, Scott is over at Rockcliffe on Thursday afternoon speaking to 
Michael Carrick. So we'll have full reaction and everything Carrick says from there in the coming days ahead of that game at Millwall on Saturday. Then I'm there, I'm at the den on Saturday, so we'll have full coverage, analysis and reaction from there. Um, do subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, rate, review if you're listening on your podcast. And we'll be back early next week with another episode of You Are My Borough.